We're going to open our Bible just uh, near the start, actually, in Genesis chapter 2. <coughs> Genesis chapter 2. It's something that uh, has been mentioned uh, uh, fairly recently by Pastor Darrell, uh, and that is the relationship of marriage. Now, I'm not going to preach on marriage as such, although we will be touching on it. But um, I'd just like to uh, perhaps just read these few verses. So the title of the thought of the talk here tonight, uh, today, this afternoon, is the relationship of marriage. But uh, it, just because you're not married doesn't mean to that you don't have to listen to this. It's actually the relationship between us, the church, and the Lord as we'll see as we go through. But here in uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, and so we're very early in the beginning of the Bible and we appreciate that God has set up a relationship between him and a man called Adam in a special place uh, known as Eden, a garden, and um, they had a relationship. Uh, Adam walked and talked with God and, uh, you know, he... Uh, the Lord was in his life, as you heard in the testimony. The Lord has been in Joanne's life for over 30 years. Well, Adam had a personal relationship with the Lord in this place called Eden. However, uh, having set that relationship up, the Lord fairly quickly moved into the next relationship. And so very early in the Bible, uh, Genesis chapter 1 talks about the whole creation and Genesis chapter 2 is immediately into the relationship that God uh, is, is having with his, his ultimate creation, which is mankind. And so uh, we read here in verse 18, perhaps, And the Lord said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. There you go, ladies. That's uh, how God describes you, help meet. Uh, reminds me of a story of... Um, a little four-year-old girl who um, wanted to know from her dad what this marriage thing was all about. I mean, she was inquisitive, she was bright, and, uh, you know, and, uh, of course, her dad thought, well, how do I answer a four-year-old what, uh, what uh, marriage is all about? So he took her aside and went through the wedding album and he showed, you know, Mum uh, dressed in her beautiful uh, wedding uh, dress and... Uh, you know, the ceremony and the reception and all these things and explaining every part as he went along and hoping that his little child would be able to take it all in. And he said, now, does that help, dear? Does that explain to you what uh, the marriage is all about? And she said, oh, is that the day when mummy came here to work for us? And so, uh, and, and so here is uh, this scripture, of course. Uh, this is the day that she was going to be a helpmeet for him. Oh, well, we're not quite like that, hopefully. But anyway, uh, verse 19, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast. You didn't laugh at that, so I won't tell you anymore. <laughs> Saves the trouble, doesn't it? In Moala they used to laugh before I even told it, so you'll get that good one day. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast uh, of the field and every fowl of the air. And he, uh, he brought them onto Adam to see what he would call them. So he's got companion, uh, animals for companions and he gives names to them all. And then in verse 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he woman. This is the helpmeet, the one that would keep him company, so he would not be alone, and brought her onto the man. 
And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. So obviously this this principle of uh, unity and oneness and uh, one flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So here it is, the first marriage, as it were, uh, that uh, God set it up. God married the man and the woman. He made them one flesh. Quite often in our wedding services we say, whomsoever God has put together when uh, a man and his wife take their wedding vows, let no man put asunder. So obviously there was not to be any interference to, uh, to uh, cause this unity to part. The marriage, as Pastor Darrell said recently, God is pro-marriage. He set it up. He wants it to work. It's a united relationship and that's uh, the way the scriptures uh, help us to always try and reconcile this relationship to make it work as it should, as the Bible says that it should, as best as we're able to. And we as pastors quite often spend a lot of time ministering, encouraging and strengthening this whole marriage relationship. But uh, I don't want to focus just on marriage, of course, but rather the greater relationship, uh, which is uh, Jesus Christ and his church, his body. Uh, some, but nevertheless, so we, we're introduced here in these early scriptures to some of the early principles of this unity, of this relationship. As I said, God is moving very quickly into relating to man, now man and woman relating to one another with God marrying them and in their midst so that the three of them are together there. And as the Bible says, three together cannot easily be broken. If the Lord's in the midst of the relationship, well, it'll be strong, obviously. And, uh, and this is the way the Lord is introducing us to this whole idea of uh, they are not to be alone but together so that we get the principle of, uh, of making good friends. In fact, I would say that marriage is probably um, after the, your relationship with the Lord is uh, one of the great relationships where friendship really thrives because uh, you're not to be alone but rather together and to be close together, closely knit together. And so there's one of unity one of uh, friendship, one of openness as well. Obviously they were before the Lord, they were before each other, they had not tasted of sin at this stage of course and therefore there was an openness, there was no shame, there was uh, nothing to cover up. So all of these principles are vital to the whole relationship between a man and a woman but also between us and the Lord. God obviously wanted to bless it, he wanted, to, uh, he wanted to be honourable. The Bible says that. Marriage is to be honourable in all. He wanted them to get it right. He wanted this relationship to be an enduring one, one that would go from strength to strength. It would be a testimony and an example to other people. Others would be able to see that uh, and see, wow, you know, there's something special happening here, something strong. Obviously, you need that. This is the beginnings of a, a relationship whereby a family can be nurtured and children can be brought up in the love and nurture of God. So it's, it's, it's obviously a principle which provides a secure environment where, where people can be, feel safe and secure and know where they stand with each other and with the Lord. So a lot of these principles are starting to come out right here in the Garden of Eden as uh, God brings these two together and binds them together by his love. So many strong principles and virtues in the relationship of marriage. And so just using this as a bit of a backdrop for our relationship to the Lord. I've learnt that uh, little thing from Pastor Darry. often introduces something and says, well, we'll use this as a backdrop now. So we'll skip over to Ephesians in chapter 5, get straight into the New Testament. 
where virtually some aspects of that uh, scripture are mentioned again over here. But of course now we're, we're talking about Jesus Christ and his church. So we're, talk, we're look, talking about the relationship of marriage and of course we will apply some of the principles and the virtues and the attitudes that God has placed in this relationship <clears throat> as it applies to obviously husband and wife with the Lord in the midst of their relationship. It should be strong and vibrant and uh, enduring. And of course also the greater principle of it all which is highlighted here in Ephesians 5 of Jesus Christ and his church. Now the Bible says by one Holy Spirit you are baptised, you are fully immersed into the body of Jesus Christ which is the church. And so the body of Christ in the New Testament is often referred to as the church and we become a member of the church through receiving the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues as you heard there in the testimony and you become a member of the body of Jesus Christ and he is the head, we are members of him and of one another. So we can start to see in the New Testament this whole relationship of unity, of oneness, of binding it together in his body. So the principles and the virtues that we understand in, in the marriage relationship obviously applies very strongly in the relationship between the church, the body of Christ, and Jesus Christ, the head of the church. So there's much to learn, whether you be married or not married, whether you're intending to marry or whether you're never intending to marry, whether you've been married and so whatever, it doesn't matter. We really are talking here about some of the wonderful principles that God brings out through this relationship that is applied not just to that relationship, but the relationship between Jesus Christ and his church, the body of the Lord. And uh, it's important, obviously, we're all members of the body of Christ and we need to understand and enforce uh, these principles in our life. Um, talking about intending to marry, I heard another one, I'll tell you what it is. Um, there's these two guys, I heard them last week chatting to one another and one guy said to the other chap, I've just proposed to this lady that I'm in love with and I, I want her to marry me. And he said, oh, his friend said, that's funny. He said, I'm thinking of proposing to the girl, you know, that I'm in love with. He said, I, I want her to marry me. He said, by the way, what, what was the answer to your proposal? He said, I don't know. I haven't got the email reply back yet. All right, OK. Verse 20, <clears throat> they don't get any better, do they? All right. You'll be, you'll be screaming for Pastor Daryl to come back and make your life. All right, verse 20. Here we go. Give thanks always for all things unto God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting. Uh, there's another scripture that says, this is the will of God concerning you, that you would give thanks to the Lord in everything. There's an amazing statement that we can go around and give praise and thanks to God for everything that we have and that he's given to us. Verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, this letter is being written to the Ephesian church, spirit-filled people, brothers and sisters in Christ, saints, sanctified, set apart, you know, the body of Christ, as we said. So it's written to us here today. Obviously, the word of God. I was talking to a brother, John, earlier today, and he was saying how he'd read part of the letter written to the Corinthian church 
And he said, it was just like it was talking to me and my particular situation. That's the word of God. It's quick, alive, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. It goes in. It enters into our innermost thoughts and intents of the heart. And so it should be. As we read these verses, they apply to us, the church here in Melbourne today. And in verse 22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. <clears throat> we'll read on. We'll read the whole passage <clears throat> and then come back through it. Um, so that's a, it's a quite a strong call there, verse 22. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the saviour of the body. So there it is. In that verse, we see the analogy here of the relationship of marriage being likened onto the relationship that Jesus has with the church. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also, uh, also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he may sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, by the word of God. There is a cleansing, there is a healing, there is a sanctification, there is a blessing in ministering God's word in the church, of course. And that's uh, what the Lord wants to do for us all, that he might present it to himself. There's a day coming when the church of Christ will be raised up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And he wants to prepare us for that time, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. So obviously a, a church that's got a wonderful testimony of the, the strength and the morals and the, and, and the righteousness of God, not because of what we are, of, of our strength, but because of the work of his Holy Spirit in us. Verse 28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. So here's this analogy coming into it all the time. He that loves his wife loves himself. Jesus Christ loves the church. Jesus Christ loves who he is in the Lord. He's the son of God. Everything that he is and everything he stands for, everything he gave in his life, obviously was of God. It was good and perfect and complete. Therefore, there is much to love about Jesus Christ. And there is, of course, everything to love about his body, the church. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it, he cares for it, he, he cherishes it. You know, he really elevates it to, uh, to, so that the church knows that she's cherished by the Lord, that she, you know, no, nobody comes before the church in the Lord's eyes. And, of course, it's, again, a likeness of the marriage relationship as husband and wife, but very much the Lord and his church. Uh, <clears throat> It says he cherishes it even as the Lord the church. Verse 30, for we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. Remember, back there in Genesis, that's how it was to be, that total unity. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and, the two shall be one, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. So the Bible tells us. It's hard to get our head around it at times, uh, what he's talking about, going through husband and wife and Christ and the church, but he's saying, this is a mystery, but it's, I'm speaking concerning Christ and the church. In, in, in the Amplified it says, it's about revealing to you the relationship of Christ and his, uh, his church. Nevertheless, let every one of you, uh, in particular, so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. And if you wouldn't want to know the Amplified of verse 33, 
but it's the way we reverence the Lord. That's what, in fact, if there was one verse that really helps us to appreciate that this is really hammering home the relationship between us, the church, and the Lord Jesus Christ, that last verse in the Amplified says, under she should reverence her husband, or the church should reverence the Lord Jesus Christ, it says she should take notice of him, regard him, honour him, uh, prefer him, esteem him, venerate him, defer to him, praise him, love and admire him exceedingly. Now, if you've got a husband like that, ladies, you're doing pretty good. But nevertheless, that's, uh, that's the sort of um, saviour that we have. That's the head of the church. That's the one who gave his life for us. So it's, it's hard to get our head around all of this, but nevertheless, the, the, the Bible here wants us to understand as a church that's the relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so <clears throat> he, he likens himself uh, very much to the husband and wife relationship. As I said, a lot of ministry goes into this, so obviously it's vital. It's a vital relationship. It's an ongoing relationship. It's one that should grow. It's one that ne needs to be more and more fruitful. And everything about it needs to be complementary mutually beneficial if you like everything about it whether it's a husband responsibility a wife's responsibility whether it's what the church needs to do whether what jesus christ does for the church all of it is to complement one another to make the benefit of and the blessing of god really prosper in the church so it's all mutually beneficial the two is one we get this uh, appreciation here this total unity that no division is to occur. Now, um, you know, verses 22 to 24 there, they talk about submitting. The word there also means to adapt yourself. In a marriage relationship, a woman adapts herself to her husband in the Lord. That's what it's talking about here. Jesus Christ the Lord and the husband in the Lord. Um, in um, uh, verses 25 to 30, it talks more about the laying down of life, the service the sacrifice, the love that you have for the other, the nurture, the cleansing, the preparing, the putting the other person first, the honour that's given onto them. So there's all these uh, things that come out. But what I've tried to do here is to sort of go through these few verses and perhaps say, all right, well, what are the key principles that we're looking at here to make this relationship thrive and be strengthened the way the Bible says it ought to be well, what are the th I've, looked, I've broken it down to sort of three. You could break it down more or, or less, depending on yourself, I suppose. But the first thing that I've uh, tried to, to look at in these verses is the obvious one, the most obvious one of all relationships, and that is the communication, the communion, the common bonding that needs to be there, the, the intimate knowledge that has to be between one and the other, the understanding... The appreciation, obviously, the openness that we talked about in Genesis. There's got to be this honesty, being open with each other before the Lord. And so, obviously, that's how marriage works. That's how the relationship between the church and Jesus Christ works. That friendship that we talked about before. You know, I've always, I've always remember this is stuck in, uh, in my mind. Uh, I just, I've just got this vivid visual picture of uh, Pastor John Kuhlman standing up there at um, Karakalinga camp. I don't know when it was, it was many years ago, but he said, my wife is my best friend. And I, he's quite moved when he said it. 
and uh, I'm sure you know we all have to be able to say amen to that and uh, so he really really meant it he meant it with all his heart and so there it is this ability the first principle here that we can really pull out of these scriptures is the ability to get to know to commune to fellowship to be able to understand to seek knowledge to have intimate knowledge of the other and their need let's go to first peter chapter 3 with those thoughts in mind first peter chapter 3 Again, these verses, of course, are often um, talked about at uh, wedding uh, ceremonies and so on. Nevertheless, they're refreshing to us, not because we're married or thinking of marrying or anything like that, but because we are in that relationship. We are the church and Jesus Christ is the Lord and that is the relationship that we're looking at here today. Obviously, there's some wonderful bits and pieces that we can apply directly to our own personal marriage relationship with our husband and wife of course 1st Peter chapter 3 verse 1 so we're talking here about perhaps the, the intimacy and the knowledge and the understanding and the openness and the honesty that needs to be there the open friendship the confidence the trust that you're really working together you're getting to know one another you're sorting out the differences you're working together as one as a team uh, verse 1 it says here likewise you wives be in subjection to your own husbands so we can put there likewise the church be in subjection to the Lord you know so uh, that's how we need to apply these scriptures that if they obey not the word they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives be a good testimony while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear so uh, for example uh, a man that is not in the Lord and his wife is in the Lord he can be wonderfully impressed by the testimony of his wife who puts the Lord first in her life, who just rejoices in the Lord, who uh, doesn't uh, do her husband any uh, disservice, but rather she upholds her testimony and that can really prick the other person. It can really convict them to their, their back teeth, really, because you're powering on in the Lord. And you can have that. In fact, we'll look at a scripture later on about a believer and a non-believer. Anyway, verse 3. Whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of the hair, of the wearing of gold, or the putting on of apparel. You know, the, the big thing is uh, not the outward show. We're talking here about getting be below the surface, not being superficial in the relationship, but uh, being a lot deeper than that. And it says there in verse 4, But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in which it is not corruptible even the ornament of a meek or a humble and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. So that's what the Lord's looking for. The Lord's looking to really uh, open us up. Let's not, uh, as I said before, that not being ashamed to be before the Lord and uh, being, uh, uh, allow ourselves uh, not to be superficial in our relationship with the Lord, but it goes far deeper than that. And uh, for after this manner, in old times, the holy women also trusted God, adorned themselves, being in subjections unto their husbands. And of course, we are in subjection to the Lord. 
Whatever he says, we are thrilled to be able to respond because we do admire him, we do appreciate him, we do love him. He first loved us and laid down his life for us. We do want to uh, please him, as it were. We do want to uh, be a good testimony for the Lord. And so uh, this is the analogy that comes through these verses. Even Verse 6, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are. And of course we are. We, the church, are the daughters of faith. Uh, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Uh, the <clears throat> husbands dwell with them according to knowledge. So uh, it's talking here a little bit about uh, the, hus uh, the wife and, of course, the church and also the fact that the Lord will take intimate knowledge of us. He will, uh, he will commune with us. He'll fellowship with us and uh, he'll know our needs and he'll make sure that we are honoured and that we are cherished and we are valued and that we know about it. So husbands have that responsibility and, of course, the Lord has this responsibility in the church as well. Uh, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honour onto, onto the wife as the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one on another, uh, one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. So there's uh, some pretty good stuff in these verses about this first principle here about communing together, uh, how you go about it. Well, with good manners, with, uh, with uh, an appreciation that what you want to do is understand and edify and build the other person up, of course. And, and so that's the, how the Lord deals with us and that's how we need to respond uh, to the Lord. So uh, he makes sure, he understands us. He, uh, he goes through what we go through and probably he's more aware of what we go through because uh, what we went through we could never possibly appreciate or understand. But uh, nevertheless, he's gone through it all and uh, been able to understand us. Even the hairs of our head are numbered. That's the intimate knowledge that Jesus Christ takes of his church so that he can bless her and uh, give her the honour that he wants his church to be really uplifted and know that she's very much loved by him. And it says here that uh, we be heirs together. So, uh, you know, there's this unity thing together because when we come before the Lord as a husband and wife, that unity needs to be there so that our prayers flow freely to the Lord. We're heirs together of God's grace and of God's free unmerited favour in our life. And of course here about having the compassion, having a bit of, uh, as the Bible calls it, benevolence, goodwill, favour towards one another. You can't, uh, you know, you can't communicate well any other way really. In verse 9 it says they're not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. All right, we'll go on and we'll move on because uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I haven't got many scriptures, so you're pretty safe. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So, <clears throat> so it's about intimacy. It's about getting depth. It's about exposing yourself to, to God's word and allowing him to be a husband unto you and making sure that... Uh, you know, he takes a good knowledge of you and meets your every need and uh, that whole idea of communing and fellowshipping. Imagine if you never prayed to the Lord, if you never had fellowship with him in the spirit, 
It'd be a, a pretty, uh, uh, it'd be just a strained relationship. But because he's given us this wonderful Holy Ghost, we can speak to him in this uh, language where we can't even express ourselves, but the Spirit goes before us, it makes intercession for us with this speaking in tongues, and it really gets the communication going, and it gets the relationship cemented together. The Lord's listening. And we're expressing our, our thoughts onto him. And of course the whole relationship is working because there's communication there. There's understanding there. One little thing that I um, learnt a lot of Pastor Darrell. You know, I talked to him, of him while he's away. But he's an excellent listener. Uh, he will go sometimes for a long time listening to a person. He listens to me a lot and I not real flash on expressing myself so I guess he has to uh, you know all my hand waving he's trying to work out what I mean uh, but um, but but lots of other people that he talks to they they talk at length about their issues and what's on their mind what's on their heart and so on and he spends a lot of time listening and then he always summarizes the whole thing so that he's letting them know I understand where you're at I understand what you're saying I understand what you need I understand how God can help and that really helps the whole situation and that's the sort of relationship that the Lord wants to have with his church. I, I learnt this little term ages ago, it's called active listening. You can listen to someone and it's just going over your head or in his ear and out that ear, nag, 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 whatever you want to put it down to or you can actively listen, take intimate knowledge of, have an understanding of really appreciating where the other person's coming from and then being able to do something about it. That's a, that's a big difference, obviously. The second uh, 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 breakdown that I put in these uh, verses or this relationship we're talking about here today is the thought that the Lord said back there in Ephesians, I lay my life down. Husbands, lay your life down uh, for, your hus uh, for your wife. Uh, it's interesting... Uh, some time ago, someone was sort of demanding to the pastor, you know, well, you know, she ought to uh, do this and submit and this and obey and blah, blah, and all these verses. Uh, but he wasn't doing much, you know. He certainly wasn't someone that was laying down his life for his wife. And it's the old principle, isn't it? When you go through verses and they particularly apply to you, well... Uh, you know read your own mail as it were you know when you read the scriptures that apply to you if they apply to a husband well he's got to do his part if they apply to the wife or the church as we're talking here today we do our part the Lord will do his part of course and so um, you know the, the second thing after the communication I've just put down to things like laying down your life serving humility wanting to cherish, wanting to honour, wanting to edify, wanting to encourage the goodwill, the benevolence, the nurture, the care that we read about. And that's all a critical part of this relationship. And we just read here in 1 Corinthians 7, um, this is talking more about, uh, I guess, faithfulness. But it expresses the whole thing, that we need to be faithful to the Lord. He will be faithful to us. He is devoted to us. He won't... Uh, go looking for another his church is the one that he cherishes that he loves above all things and so we know that we know that because we have scriptures that he's put down that we've read today that relate to a husband and wife relationship and the bigger picture the relationship between us and the Lord so he puts it in practical terms 
so that we can understand, oh yes, that's how it works in this, in, in this relationship of marriage. That's how it works between me and the Lord. And the Lord here has uh, got a few more scriptures about the faithfulness, about the morality of it all. And uh, verse uh, 1 perhaps, Now concerning the things wherefore you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, nevertheless to avoid fornication, that's being unfaithful. Let every man have his own wife and every woman have her own husband. Again, relating it back to the marriage, of course, so there is practical application for the marriage relationship as well. Let the husband render unto the wife the due benevolence. This means the goodwill, the kindness, the favour, the compassion that we are talking about. So not only does it go from the husband to the wife, and the likewise also the wife onto the husband. So it's a two-way thing. So this whole thing about uh, goodwill, laying down your life, wanting to edify the other, preferring the other first, all of those principles come out. Now, I know this sounds very idealistic, but that's the, uh, the picture that the, the, the Bible paints about the relationship we need to have with the Lord. And that's our idea. We press to the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. We put yesterday behind us and we keep pushing on. As we read these scriptures, we apply our hearts to understanding and to prayer and we apply them. So that's, uh, that's what the Lord is asking us to do. So a lot of the scriptures we've gone through, even up till now, both in Peter and here, uh, are all in this whole area about the excellent communication, the unity, and of course this service, this idea of uh, understanding the other person and you doing something about meeting that particular need. Uh, we'll read on a little bit further here. It says, The wife has not power of her own body. So again, here we're talking about intimacy and closeness and so on and the faithfulness of all of that. But the husband, and likewise also the husband, has not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud, defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent, for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come, again, uh, come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. So it's... Uh, Part of the whole due benevolence and the working together, the relationship being strong, is also this uh, physical intimacy side of the marriage, which again is complementary to the whole relationship. We'll go down there to verse 12 because I did mention this scripture before. Um, but to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother has a wife that believes not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. So this is talking about a man who is spirit-filled, who is following the Lord, who has a relationship with the Lord, obviously, and is married, obviously married before he received the Holy Spirit. Because once you receive the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells you that you should marry in the Lord. But, uh, but many people come to the Lord, and, uh, well, salvation is an individual thing. Sometimes you get a husband that comes to the Lord, and the wife doesn't. And sometimes you get a wife that comes to the Lord, and the husband doesn't. Or they might both come to the Lord and one falls away, turns their back on the Lord, backslides, you know, not interested anymore. That can all happen. And so here we've got a few little verses dealing with that particular situation where one is believing and following the Lord and one is unbelieving. How do you deal with that? And uh, for the unbelieving husband, it says here in verse 14, oh, sorry, uh, verse 13, and the woman which has a husband that believes not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. So if he be happy 
that she's in the Lord and she's putting the Lord first in her life and can live with that situation in harmony and peace, not being contentious and trying to uh, undermine her walk in the Lord or anything like that, well then, okay to stick around and, let's, and the Lord will bless that relationship. He'll sanctify it and so on. But in verse 14, for the, uh, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. But, in verse 15, if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. So, praise the Lord, we're always, and there are many testimonies of a believing husband or wife who've upheld their testimony, who've prayed, who've looked to the Lord, and, and hope that one day they might win their husband or their, their wife over the Lord. And it says that in verse 16, For what, now, what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Or how, or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? Well, we don't know if one day the husband or the wife might see your testimony and come to the Lord. We pray that they do. But it, on the other hand, if they just can't handle the fact that you're a Christian and put God first and you're involved in the Lord, and they want to leave, well, that's on their head. You're under no obligation, as it says there. God has called us to peace. Uh, let's go over to Second uh, Corinthians 5 for our last scripture. So we've talked a bit about this the serving one another and uh, this this last one is probably out of that group of scriptures we looked at at the beginning it's perhaps by uh, you know the third category as I've called it but of course all these things locked together are all part of the relationship between us and the Lord but that is this whole idea of unity this whole idea of oneness the two shall be one flesh the the whole ability in our relationship with God to remove the barriers to remove the things that rear their ugly head and would part us or divide us or cause a division or a schism. And the same in marriage. You've got to work hard to make sure that the divisions are dealt with. I mean, we're different people, and praise the Lord for that. I mean, you wouldn't want to marry someone that's the same as you, would you? And we rejoice in the difference, of course. We're different personalities, and that's vibrant and exciting, and it's good to have that. The Lord's not talking about changing those sort of uh, characteristics but he's talking about making sure that the peace between us, the unity between us, that we work at removing things which cause division or barriers. And most of the time, that is the self-will attitude, the, 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 the attitude of, well, I want what I want, being self-willed. Self-will, the flesh as we often call it, the, the pride, the not wanting to back down, you know, the want, insisting on being right at all costs. And, you know, we've, have, we've had movements, haven't we, where people say, well, I've got my rights and she's got her rights, all this sort of stuff. Well, we're insisting on that rather than turning to the word of God and being pitiful and courteous and compassionate and understanding and talking it and taking it to the Lord in prayer and allowing God's word to be ministered to you and to resolve the issue, well, that will cause division. That will cause friction. That will cause a, a parting of the ways. And so in this third aspect, we've got to reconcile. We've got to work towards unity. We've got to work, work at, uh, getting it together. The Bible talks about being perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's some call. 
But that's what we work towards. And with God's help, the Bible becomes a reality in our life. 2 Corinthians 5, down there in verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So that's the ministry that we've been given. We've been reconciled to Jesus Christ. There was a big division between us and the Lord before. We were in our camp and we were poles apart. We were separated by sin and our self-will. And of course now we've submitted onto the will of the Father. We've allowed ourselves to, to be humbled through the waters of baptism, receiving the Holy Spirit, and we're a new creation now. We understand what it means to be at one. Atonement, as they, as they say. And so that's precious to us. We want to be at one with the Lord. We want to be at one in that marriage relationship, as we said before. Verse uh, 19, To wit, that God was in, uh, was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses or their sin unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. There's a proverb, I can't remember exactly which proverb it is, Pastor Chris might know, but it talks about he that covers a transgression procures love. And it's an amazing thing, you know. It is in your power to cover a, a wrongdoing, a transgression. Oh, yes, you can, you can make an issue out of it and you can make sure it becomes a divisionary issue between you and, and your husband or wife or you and the church, you and the Lord. Or you can be wise, you can be smart. The Bible says in the Proverbs we ought to, we ought to call out and hunger and thirst for understanding and for wisdom. They are, these are principal things, these are precious things. And so therefore God will bless us with that wisdom. And so we can come to a situation which can be divisionary, it could be inflammatory, you could think the other person's got it all wrong or whatever, but it's in your power to be able to do something about it and to cover a transgression, not to sweep it under the carpet, but to deal with it in a proper way, in a way that will get a proper result instead of getting everybody's back up. So to do that procures love. And Oh, thank you. Proverbs 17, verse 9. I thought he was calling time out. Okay. <laughs> verse 20. I'm nearly finished. Two verses, all right? Uh, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you... For by us we pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God remove divisions be reconciled be at one with the Lord for he has uh, made for, for he has made him to be sin for us Jesus Christ who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him and so I guess uh, I tried to break it down a little bit into those uh, uh, different uh, areas they all work together of course but the whole idea of being reconciled about endeavouring to keep the unity of God's word in your relationship and there will be many things to deal with many things to sort out but I tell you what this word is a word of reconciliation it can bring everything into God's judgement fairly it will make sure that both sides of the story are heard, understood, appreciated, reconciled according to his love, according to his word. And that's what we've got to minister. That's what we've got to aspire to. And if we do that, of course, 
the testimony of the Lord will shine. The church will just uh, be raised up as a city upon the hill. A very powerful testimony in this day and age, of course, in the whole marriage relationship, that God is pro-marriage. We obviously want to get it right with the Lord, and it is a terrific testimony. As I said before, you know, it's, it's the framework of the environment whereby there is safety and security to bring up people families, children, in the nurture and the admonition of God, whereby the church and the relationship it has with the Lord, we are safe, we are secure, we know where we stand, we know where we're going, we know we're loved, we know that it's true and we can uphold that. Now that is an amazing place to be in such a, a, a difficult world, a world that doesn't know the ways of peace, great uh, trouble and strife on all sides. We can actually have the relationships with the Lord and in marriage, of course, whereby the safety and the security of the Lord is there and all the people see it.